This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good morning, everybody. Um, sometimes it's hard to eat with breakfast, but we'll uh, hopefully manage. Um, this session is dealing with Amachad. For those of you who don't know what Amachad is, I'm just going to take a minute to just describe what, what the activity is, what we're doing. Amachad really was started some 30 years ago by Rav Moshe Sherez Atzal. It was a, uh, a, a movement to go to Eretz Yisrael and represent uh, American Jewry to the powers that be in the Israeli government. At that time, the issues revolved around who is a Jew, me Yehudi, um, and it went dormant for a long period of time. Uh, we haven't had any missions, we haven't had any, any discussions formally, and uh, when things got about a year or two ago, got a little bit uh, crazy in terms of uh, some of the issues having to do with the reform and conservative community with it when they uh, had a very strong um, outreach to the Israeli government uh, around issues of the Kaisal, around issues of Geirus, conversion, the issues of the Rabbanut, Shabbos, etc., etc., religious pluralism in general, um, agreements were made. Uh, agreements were made in the Israeli government with the conservative, reform, and federation communities some of which was, uh, resulted in the little area by the Kaisel that's uh, that, uh, been uh, reorganized so that they can have their own prayer services there, etc. There was a discussion about expanding that much to become a very large plaza, to rebuild the whole Kaisel plaza. Uh, certainly the issues of marriage, divorce, conversion, etc., etc., uh, were all on the table. And... A number of us felt that it was important to reinstate and to bring back this whole movement of Amachad that Rabbi Shera had started, and the purpose of which was to go back to Israel and to let the Israeli government know that the people that they're speaking don't represent all of American Jewry, that there is a large, growing constituency of younger, vibrant, and active people who are engaged in Eretz Yisrael, who go to Eretz Yisrael, who send their children to Eretz Yisrael, who give their money to Eretz Yisrael on a regular basis, participate in the economy, and we also deserve it at the table, and if you want to hear from American Jewry, you need to hear from us as well. Um, we have two presenters today, um, uh, who each one had participated in a different activity that we had done, and I'm going to first ask um, Rabbi Menachem Levine, who is the Rav of Congregation Amachad, of all names, in San Jose, California, uh, who participated in the mission that we did to Eretz Yisrael last February. We took people uh, and we met with every major uh, government official, from the prime minister to the president to the cabinet ministers to members of Knesset, and it was a very successful mission. Um, and I'm going to let Menachem talk a little bit about it and his experience as part of that mission. Good morning, good Erev Shavis, Shos Rabbanim, Skanim Chashuvim, Avi, Imi. First, I'd like to begin to thank by Agudas Yisrael for hosting this very important session. Uh, as mentioned, my name is Rabbi Menachem Levine of Congregation Amachad uh, in San Jose, California. Uh, I'd like just to use my presentation to do three things today. First, to tell you why I personally got involved albeit I am a relatively minor player compared to Dr. Lewis, I think why I got involved perhaps can illustrate some of the 
important issues that are involved. Uh, number two, what the mission this year, Amakad mission in particular, was all about. And number three, per the theme of the convention, moving forward, what we all can do the situation. So why I got involved. Uh, for those who do not know, San Jose, California, is the capital of Silicon Valley. For those holding phones, that's where your phones come from. Uh, that's where the internet comes from, Google, eBay, Facebook, all of the companies that have made this convention many times. Um, but San Jose, in being in Silicon Valley, is also part of the Bay Area. And the Bay Area is the fourth largest Jewish community in the United States of America. New York, Southeast Florida, and Los Angeles larger. The Bay Area has a larger Jewish community than Chicago and all other cities in the United States of America. Population is over 80-something percent reform and unaffiliated. There is over a 90-something percent interest rate. The Shomer Shabbos community is less than 1% of those 350,000 Jews in the Bay Area. And growing up as a grandchild of four Polish Holocaust survivors, I always asked myself, what would I have done if I would be in America in the 19, late 1930s, early 1940s? What, when you read the stories, what the, the general apathy that went on in those days, that with rare exception, just a few days ago, by Kristallnacht, it was 80 years. Could you imagine if millions of American Jews, 2 million, 3 million American Jews, had went out to the street after Kristallnacht, demanding that Germany stop, demanding that America and Israel be opened up. What a different world, perhaps, it would be. Growing up that way, I thought to myself, what could I do? And I did end up moving to California, and part of the reason for, was for that, to be able to do something for Achenu B'nai as Hagarin Rabbi Elia Bruni said last night in this convention, in the Q&A, that the greatest, the greatest issue, the greatest issue today for Kalal Yisrael is the assimilation of over 80% of Achenu B'nai Yisrael. Now, when you out to the Bay Area, or anywhere to do Kirov, now I'm a of a shul, my shul is the from shul in the Bay Area. My president has finished Shas more than once. My treasurer has finished Shas more than once. There are two dafyomi, there are many shiurim. My ikker job is to be a rov of a shul. But in the Bay Area, you cannot live, you cannot be with us, you do Kirov. And I'm going to tell everybody a little thing about Kirov. I don't care what you read in any magazine. <laughs> the reality of Kirov is that we go for every two, but the vast majority of Kalal you saw in America are... The chasm is just so great that they're largely unreachable for one important reason. If you are intermarried, or your parents are intermarried, or your children are intermarried, or your spouse has a bad conversion, or your daughter-in-law has a bad conversion, the minute you come into an Orthodox synagogue, somebody in your family, perhaps yourself, is not Jewish. And the greatest issues come from this. There is such... A of course, every Jew is possible, and we try for every Jew. But the reality is when you're involved in the, in, on, on the front lines is you see the damage that is done, the almost irreversible damage that is done. When you see 
people, like a man named Steve, who today lives in Israel, tells me the following story, that he thought he married a Jew, because when his wife converted under the temple, they told him he was Jewish. And he told me he would never intermarry. Those words. But one day he got divorced and then became Orthodox. And he realized not only was his previous wife not Jewish, but his own children today are not Jewish. This is a reality. I can tell you dozens of such stories, but it's not the venue for that. And so when you're involved in this, you, you, you see the tremendous eternal damage that happened because of fake conversions, fake Judaism, and you did not having an opportunity for MS. And it really helped me understand the Peshats, a famous law that Rabbi Huda ben Yakar, the Rebbe Ramban asked, Frek to Rabbi Huda ben Yakar, what's Peshat that we say Vilamal Shinim? Why do we say Vilamal Shinim? Everybody knows the Gemara in Baruch Staf Yud about Bruria, that we, we pray not that Chaitim pass away, but Chatayim. Rabbi Rikiva Eger stolz to a Zayhar Gemara and Tainz Chav Gemara Beis Abi Chalkia. The same you saw says Rabbi Yehuda Ben Yakar. You should know. Of course, you don't play for him. First, we say Hashiveinu. We ask every Jew to come back. We pray. The first fila we say Hashiveinu. But if we see that the damage that's being done, even with our Hashiveinu, is because of the Lamal Shinim, then we say the Lamal Shinim. And in fact, the Maral out in, in, in Beragola, Bershvi, that even when we say Vilamashim, of course, it's not against Klal Yisrael, Jews, only against fake ideologies, fake movies. It's for that reason, by the way, that the Gemara says in that the author of Vilamashim, was Shmuel HaKatan, the same Tana, the same Tana who said, because the only way you can save is with an Ahavas Yisrael. And the truth is, anyone involved in Kirov or an Ahavas Yisrael, you realize the damage of this, these movements, and that is the Vilamashim. Because the reason we're all here today, and the reason Dr. Lewis spends a lot of his time amongst others doing this, is an Ahavas Yisrael. Because we love Klal Yisrael. We are Am Echad. We love every Jew. And if you love every Jew, and you every Jew to be Hashiveinu, then you realize that the biggest problem is the Lamashinim. And even the Lamashinim, we want them to do tshuva, but we have to fight the, the Lamashinim. And it's important to note that this is all about Ahavas Yisrael. Everything about Amachad and fighting against false ideologies, dangerous ideologies, is because we love Jews in close fight we're fighting against. And I, I will point out one more note, that today, I mentioned cure of difficulty, the greatest, the easiest, food. I have many people in my synagogue, and many people I deal with personally, the easiest people to makarv are Israelis, especially Sephardi Israelis. And when you think of the damage that reform can, can do, because the Sephardi Israelis, they didn't buy into false systems. They themselves look as reform and conservatives detrimental. The, damage, the potential damage is oyim v'noyro. So I'll tell you personal, about a year and a half ago, uh, when this whole started, um, the head of the Federation in Silicon Valley, right before it's, um, Thomas, uh, Thomas, 
put out an email to tens of thousands of Yidin Jews. And the following goes to the end. It's called Som Thomas. More time later. And at the end of her email, she said the following thing. It is rare for our community to be critical of Israel. We may each harbor our own thoughts about this issue or that, but our loyalty is to Israel's survival. The Kotel issue is one of the galvanizing movements. She's telling us to 80-something percent, 90-something percent reformer, the Kotel issue is one of the galvanizing moments when we have the ability to influence what happens in the future on behalf of the Jewish Federation of Silicon Valley for the sake of my daughters and three granddaughters, I'm standing with the woman of the wall. Now, when I saw this, usually I would ignore, but I actually decided to do something. And I emailed her a short email, and I got many other people to email her as well. And what happened then is, is she backtracked. In fact, one of the key Jewish leaders in the Bay Area told me that she regretted her actions. And since then, she has never involved herself in these matters. A few weeks later, um, I wrote a letter called an open letter to APEC and the J Post. That day, the day I wrote that letter, when it's published, I got a call from APEC to assure me that they're not going to be playing a role in the coastal and conversions. And they mentioned to me that the same day as I wrote my letter, Eric Yaffe, who is former head of the reform movement, had written a letter, an opinion article in the Haaretz, in the Haaretz. Now, the Haaretz is certainly a left-wing paper, right? Actually, Menachem said that the last Israeli government, last government that Haaretz liked was, was the British government. Right? It's not really the left-wing, but Haaretz published a letter, letter from, uh, uh, an opinion from Eric Yaffe, which said the following thing. He hopes that APAC fights against the Ayatollahs in Jerusalem. Ayatollah Judaism in Jerusalem. That's his words. And she specifically told me that, the APEC people, that your letter is countering his letter. Those words. You will not be involved. And a few weeks after that, I actually wrote a, a letter, a piece for the J-Post, making the chief, case for the chief rabbinate, uh, which was translated by an organization called Liba. And so they put in Besheva and Besheva. And even this offense recorded. Why do I say this? Because on a small level, what I realize is that we could all do something. If we sit back, watch what's going on and do nothing, the dangers to Klal Yisrael, the ready to quote Rebel Yabruni, the greatest issue for Klal Yisrael, the dangers for Klal Yisrael will only be magnified. And therefore, when I was invited last week on the Amachan mission, I felt it as an honor and really holy obligation. Uh, as Dr. Lubix, as Irving pointed out, uh, the Amachad mission was first about 30 years ago. They had two missions at the time. Harav Moshe Shepherd, in his last weeks of his life, pushed himself. That's issue that pluralism and affecting the conversion laws. Pushed himself with his dam, with his blood. He was a yid, his gan celeb, his whole life fought Kedushas Israel. Had Ahavas Yisrael, loved Klal Yisrael, and he pushed himself to go. And this year's mission was triggered by two factors this past few months ago. Number one, a desire and a push by the Reform and Conservative movement to break the barriers at the Kaisal. The ideal, by the way, the ideal is not just to have a own spot. Well, the original petition was that the general Kaisal should be 
No one owns the Kosal. We have a rights to the Kosal. And we can have uh, the main Kosal reform ladies in, 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 in the women of all where they originally went. That was the original idea. There were a few compromises here and there, but ultimately what they want is complete rights to these things, and they want legitimacy. And number two was a general attack on the rabbinate. Uh, the participants, very briefly, of this the mission were the, for the, the, the board, members of the board of trustees of Agudas Yisrael, including its president, uh, its chairman of boards, Mr. Werdiger, Abraham um, uh, David Zubel, Rabbi Gertzlin from the, from the, the authors of the, the famous uh, charts and articles on William Grandchild Jimmy Jewish, um, actors such as Rabbi Pesach Lerner, Rabbi Menken, uh, media personalities such as this is Ruth Lichtenstein, head of the Hamadiyah, um, Sephardic leaders, leaders from Chabad as well, leaders from the Save Our Kotal um, Foundation. We met, as mentioned just briefly, just to go through, our minister, the president, the mayor of Yushalayim at the time, the entire Aguda and Degel Knesset uh, delegation. We were supposed to be with Shas, but the minister kept us waiting, so that had to get canceled. Um, the chief rabbi, also the Kotal activists, the finance minister, Moshe Kahn, minority uh, with duty, I'm saying, labor heads, Avi Gabay, Chilik Bar, education minister, Naftali Bennett, speaker of the Knesset, Edelstein, Tzachi Negbi, who is the minister in charge of the Kotal deal, um, Justice Ayala Chakad, and Betzal Shmotrich, who's on the right wing of the Bayitahudi party, uh, which is the, the Mizrahi party. Our message was two things. Two important which we need to get this message as well. Number one, number one, when the federations and reform and conservative leaders come threatening in the name of American Jewry, the Israeli government, they don't speak for us. They don't represent us. They don't speak for us. They are not, and they're not emblematic of us. And number two, and importantly, it is the orthodox that are not only the future, the overwhelming future of American Jewry, as all demographic studies and pupils show, we are not only the overwhelming majority of the youth of American Jewry, but the Orthodox today are the biggest unequivocal supporters of Israel. We, go, we send our children to study in Israel. We support the economy in Israel. We go that we visit Sukkot in Israel. We don't support BDS or J Street or New Israel Fund or any other of these terrible organizations which endanger millions of Jews of Israel. We are your greatest supporters. And those same people who come demanding rights in this are the same people fighting against you. That was our two messages that we overwhelmingly gave. We gave over this message in English and in Hebrew. We gave out pamphlets. We illustrated this, this message. I will say that the feedback of everyone we met was that we made a difference. There was not one person, not one minister that we met that was either, in the case of the front ministers, they were appreciative that we came. We were mechazik them. But the fact that we came, the fact that we spoke out, and the, the, many of them heard the arguments we made, made a difference. In fact, the most popular question that we got Whereas, where have you been until now? You should be here more often. You should be here more often. You, know, you should know, we were told by more than one, that the, the federations and the reform and the conservative have people hanging out in Knesset. 
They're pushing to meet the Israeli media. We were followed this up. There was multiple uh, articles. So obviously, Hamadia had it, but it was in, in all of the Jewish publications in America of religious and multiple of the secular educations, Israeli press, more, more importantly. Um, after that, which Rabbi Elephant will speak about, we've taken a very strong uh, part in the GA uh, recently. Uh, looking forward, Rabbi Sai, if God forbid we don't do something, you may and I may look back years later, like I just mentioned in the beginning, that a Holocaust, a spiritual Holocaust in this place, happened, which we could have made a difference to stop. What reform and conservative wants, nothing less, is rights to teach children throughout Eretz Yisrael that pluralistic ideas, trafe ideas, they want the ability to convert people in Israel. They want their conversions to be recognized in Israel. They want the Kosal, when Israelis come down to the Kosal, they don't see the coastal where, where you know, they just had a, a, a movie about Mayor Schiller, about Mayor Schiller, about um, Mayor Schuster, thank you. Amazing this summer. Inspire. How many Yidin became closer to, at the coastal? Could you imagine if people went to the coastal and there's sleeveless ladies there having, reading a Torah? No, nothing less. What would a difference for us, for Klai Yisrael? This could happen. It's not a joke. We're sitting here imagining it won't happen. There are major personalities today pushing for this to happen. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? So some practical ideas. Obviously, Erston's first and foremost, tefillah, hashiveinu. We should be davening hashiveinu for Klal Yisrael because we love Klal Yisrael. Hashiveinu. And we should be davening v'lamal shinim. Number two, you can write letters. Anyone who can write, write letters, opates, it makes a, a, a difference. Number three, one of our first meetings was with Dudi M. Salem, who is the minority whip of the Knesset. He said the following thing. Now majority, excuse me. Majority whip of the Knesset. He said the following thing. When he became majority whip, it was December 2017. We met him at the end of February. He had just went to Los Angeles. He said they took him all over Los Angeles. Not one. Orthodox institution. And they showed him this is Jewish Los Angeles. Rev. Irving can tell you there is a vibrant, growing Torah community in Los Angeles. He didn't see it. It's our responsibility to tell American Jewry, to tell Israeli Jewry, come, can we imagine they go to Lakewood, to Makoymas or Torah, to see the young, vibrant American Jewry. Number four, something we could all do is talking points. When you meet Israelis, whether you're connected or anywhere else, tell those two points. They don't represent us, reform and conservative, and we are the future, we are the supporters. You know why? Because talking points, to quote Malcolm Gladwell, becomes a tipping point. And if we say it enough, if we spread the message enough, then eventually the narrative is that orthodoxy is American Jewry. Orthodoxy is the supporters of, of, of Israel. And lastly, financial support. Actually, I brought here Rav Moshe Sherrod's book. I hadn't seen it for many, many years, but I figured he was... On the way here, I read it, and I saw that 20-some odd years ago, Rav Moshe Sherrod, when he said Amachad, said he needs to raise $2 million, $2 million. That was his goal, to flood 
to flood the Israeli press, to flood the American press with what is Jewry, to spread the message. I don't think we have $2 million in the mission. Not $200,000? Not yet. Rabbi Yisai, anyone who can support your helping God's Kla Yisrael, the entire Kla Yisrael. I'd like to finish, because i got my little warning here. I'd like to finish with one thing that I saw Rabbi Beryl Wine wrote in his book, Teach Them Diligently. He said the following thing. This is in his book. I'll never forget the speech by the great Rabbi Yosef Shlomo Kahneman, Panovich Rav Zatzal, in the Chicago Yeshiva in Skokie in either 1946 or 7. He stated that a number of Jews in Palestine were determined to drive the British out of the country, and they had now been imprisoned. And he said with great conviction, and I thought prophecy, that these few Jews would undoubtedly succeed. This is in 46. Then he added, if I had a cadre of Jews who were equally determined to build a Torah state in the land of Israel, such a Torah state would undoubtedly become a reality. Rabbi Sai, if we are that cadre, if we spread the word, then as a Hashem, we can make a difference in the years ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Levine. That was very moving. Um, we've had other activities in addition to the mission. Um, over the summer, we were involved with the Chok HaLa'um, for those who followed that the national, national law, to make sure that uh, the law would not impact the status quo. Uh, we had assurances, and we have written assurances from the Likud government about that. That was a very uh, letter-writing campaign and a, and a, a visiting campaign. Uh, more recently, after the Pittsburgh massacre, there was a movement in the Knesset to uh, recognize uh, uh, reform and conservative Jewry because of the uh, terrible tragedy that happened in Pittsburgh. And uh, we responded to that as well. That meeting actually never took place. We had letters that went to every Knesset member uh, following that. But uh, the, the second important event that took place this past year was the GA, the General Assembly of the Federation, which took place in Tel Aviv. They have it in a different city, and every now and then they get to Eretz The theme of that uh, convention, which had about 2,500 participants, was we are here to dialogue. We're going to dialogue with Israelis about our differences. Um, one look at the program, one quickly realized there was no dialogue going to be taking place. It was going to be a monologue, and it was going to be a lecture. And if we had any doubt about it, the first speaker that got up at the General Assembly was one of the chair people, and he said... You know, we are the adult Americans who have come to have a dialogue with our rebellious teenage Israelis. And uh, that kind of set the tone, I think. Um, But what we did, we had op-ed pieces that appeared in many publications before the GA. And the day of the GA, we had ads in Haaretz and full-page ads in Haaretz and in uh, the Jerusalem Post that every member that came to the GA had in their packets about, you know, this is a, a monologue, not a dialogue. This campaign was so successful, we had a Facebook page campaign in addition to it, um, was so successful that it became the theme of most of the articles that were written about the GA. Uh, a lot of the coverage kind of dropped off. They, were, they kind of fell off the screen for a lot of reasons. But even the left wing picked up our, our uh, theme and they followed it that we were also not invited uh, to be a part of the dialogue. And it, and it really took over the entire GA. Um, and I think we were successful in getting the message across that, you know, that they, they're coming to, with, with an agenda that's really not, not correct and does not represent all of American jury. Um, we are very, very fortunate 
to have with us today a Rav Yitzhak Elephant, who is the chief rabbi of Dimona um, and the chairman, uh, chairman of Rabbanim Israel. Um, uh, rabbi uh, Elephant was with us for part of the mission that uh, Rabbi Levine spoke about in Eretz Yisrael. And he has a very, very unique perspective on what the Reform community is doing in Eretz Yisrael. He was one of the few Orthodox presenters at the GA, and we would like to hear his perspective and uh, some of his ideas about what's going on in Eretz Yisrael. Shalom Aleichem, Bishus, the revered chairman, Dr. Leibovitch, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for everything that you do. Rabbi Levine, we enjoyed your inspiring words. Reb Shlomo Werdiger, who was the chairman or part of the senior partner of the delegation. My main yichus here is that I'm the brother of Rabbi Yosef Elephant. As it says in Parshish Taldos, Verav Yavot Sayer. So Baruch Hashem. We're very so proud of him. Uh, Tyra Eden. I was told that the subject is how to add more Kedusha via and to create Amechad with more Kedusha. But of course, one has to understand also what went on at the Federation. I will explain it soon. I just want to say one word about the title of the convention, which is moving forward. My Zeder of Kersner Zatzal um, used to say every Shabbat Shuvah. Most Shabbat Shuvahs is Parshas Ve'elech. Sometimes it's Hazin of Nomi, Ve'elech. And he used to say, Ve'elech Moshe. Where did he go? It doesn't say. What did he say? I will say he said what he says afterwards. No, but then it says again. So it's there already. So what, what's the first pasuk? He said the pshat is veilech Moshe. Moshe on his last day of his life is saying, "I'm leaving you a message of two words: veilech Moshe." We always have to advance. We always have to go forward. We always have to move forward. This is what he told Amisel. What did he tell them? Veilech Moshe. If we take a look at Rashi, Rashi says Veilech Moshe v'chulu, and then he goes on to pasuk bet. So what do you have to say? Veilech Moshe v'chulu. Start with pasuk bet. But Rashi is telling us Veilech Moshe v'chulu that it's that's the idea. Veilech Moshe v'chulu is linked to Veidaber. That's the moving forward and. Since I knew Rabbi Shera as a little boy, we lived in 16th Avenue, 54th Street. He was between 16th and 17th and 52nd in Borough Park. He said, I've my Zayda Shul, not in his minion, 7 o'clock minion. So I think this is also a tribute to him, Ba'elech Moshe. He always went forward. And our job and our shlichus is, and also in this holy project of Amechad, to go further. To go forward, Ba'elech Moshe. What can be done to create... Amechad b'kedusha neretzisol. You know, there's a joke. I know if it's a joke. You know, in England, the rabbis speak under the chuppahs. So once the rabbi said to the couple, "Now you are one." Nice, say. Okay. Next morning, there's a knock on the rabbi's door, and Phil and Jill are there. And Phil says, "Rabbi, yesterday under the ceremony, you said we are one. I'm the one." And she says, "Rabbi, yesterday you said we are one. I'm the one." So you understand already, that probably goes into the, some of the sessions that were last night. Um, but anyway, we're one, Amechad. Our challenge is to get that one translated and given over. 
And the way to do it is we have to present our view clearly, firmly, but also nicely. Um, Yaakov says in this week's Parsha, I don't need anything from you, Esav. I have everything. What do you mean you have everything? It means you have everything that anybody else has nothing. It's not shy. But the pshat is that we have everything because we are happy. With all the problems that were mentioned yesterday, we still see, we still see our Baruch Hashem, our children and grandchildren going in our ways. We have eternity. We have Nitzvahs. We have Amuna. Ashenu Matov Chelkenu. How do we give this over to Amisa? That's the challenge that faces us. And you know what I said at the Federation? I was one against four, um, which is an improvement, because five years ago when I spoke, I was one against six. So we're making progress. I told them we'll see them in Haifa in five years. They come once in five years. So I said to them, this is how I started. Brothers and sisters, there was a shudder. An Orthodox rabbi, not uh, modern Orthodox, says... Brothers and sisters, it's sort of, it just got them off guard. And then I said to them in the middle of my words, I said, what do we have to bother with you? Conversions, do whatever you want. Marriage, do whatever you want. LGBT, whatever, do whatever you want, what do we bother? And then you hate us for that. I said, because we care about you. We care about you. And because we care about you, we have to sometimes be difficult. It hit a resonant note with them. We care. And that message has to be given over. We're not doing it for political strength. We're not doing it to embarrass anybody. It's because we care about a Jewish future, about their Jewish future. I'll just say one sentence about the Federation. I'm going to speak more about the Amechad aspect. But one sentence about Federation. You know... They're fair with the dialogue and not. But I, I'm somebody who reads papers every day. Yosef Neman, Jerusalem Post, to know what's going on. Fowlund was involved. I met with the leading politicians in the country over the years. One thing I didn't know was that the Federation is involved in 23 pluralistic projects. What's pluralistic? It means alternative kashus, kashus without rabbanut, kash, uh, weddings without a rabbanut, uh, organizing buses and Shabbos to take people to beaches, uh, fighting to have the stores open on Shabbos. They want to break the monopoly of the rabbanut. So I said, why not break first the monopoly of the Israeli Supreme Court? We don't like the Supreme Court. Let's make another Supreme Court. Let's break the monopoly of police, of government, of society. I said, you're interested in breaking Judaism, not, in, not, not monopolies. But, I said it to them firmly, but I think this is a point that can be dealt with. Federation Dash UJA, which is what they are today, is supposed to be neutral. They're raising money from everybody. I always understood that their money is going to poor schools, poor communities, to build kindergartens, not for pluralistic activities. If the conservative reform movement wants to take out of their budget for that, that's their business, not our business. But the, the Federation should do it. I think that's something that we can deal with. Okay. I want to make several points of how to deal with all these problems and then to give a, a, a plan. First of all, 
we don't have much to talk to, unfortunately, to the reform and conservative rabbis and lay leaders because there's nothing really to talk about. But I do think that we have to open up contact with the reform rank and conservative, especially the conservative rank and file. They're looking for our warmth. They don't know what we're talking about and they don't know what their rabbis are talking about. And consequently, today with all the modern ways of information, we can def definitely reach them. I saw that the Federation, after I spoke and the panel session was over, for a half hour they came over to me to tell me the Tsaris and to thank me for coming. And if they wouldn't have chased us out of the room, we could have been there for another hour. They need our warmth. It's food for thought. We have to speak with clarity. We don't always explain ourselves properly. And I'll give you a very simple example. My taxi, one of my taxi drivers in Dimona is, is a, where's the yarmulke? Where's the kippah? Goes to Shul Shabbos, votes for the Likud. The traditional Sephardi Yid plus, plus. And he says to me, one day, we, we, I'm just taking me somewhere in Dimona, and on the news it says, well, the reformer conservative didn't allow, they didn't allow them this. He says, why... Uh, why not? Well, what's the problem? They think that reform and conservative is something like modern orthodoxy. RCA plus minus. I'm serious, not a joke. And 50% um, of the public, according to the polls, supports recognition of reform and conservative rabbis. But they don't know who they are. So I said to him, you know what, Mordechai, do you want a rabbi who performs intermarriage to be recognized in Israel? He says, no, 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 of course not. Do you want a rabbi who travels in his car to shul or to synagogue or to temple to be recognized in Israel? <laughs> what are you talking about? Are you crazy? I said, well, that's, that's who they are. Really? That's the truth. And they don't know because we've never really gone. Sometimes when we speak, we think that if I understand something, my listeners understand it too. It's not always the case, and this is a very important point. Unfortunately, we don't, and this is something that Amichad can definitely take upon itself, we don't have serious or good public relations. I'll give you a few examples. The Reform Assembly, that's the Assembly of Reform Rabbis, had its annual gathering in Israel a year ago, a year and a half ago, in Yerushalayim. Where was their opening session? In a church somewhere near the old city. Why? Because some hothead from the right wing had painted a swastika on the wall of that church. So they went ahead to identify with them, and that's where their opening session was. How do I know? I'm not, I don't belong to them. I saw the picture in the Jerusalem Post. I cut that picture out and I had a meeting with Rabbi Lau, the chief rabbi, and I said, this picture has to be in every mailbox in Israel and, if possible, in outside Israel as well. Because even an irreligious Jew understands that you don't make your opening session at a church. Did anybody, does anybody here know that that took place? No. Okay. Now you know, Dr. Rosenstein, thank you. Rabbi Lau, the chief rabbi, is a wonderful person. He's a wonderful person. We're good friends, and he's a really 
loves, he loves every Jew. There was a statement after the tragedy in Pittsburgh where this word was used and that word wasn't used. It's a statement given out by his spokesman. I don't know if he even saw it. He surely didn't have any evil intentions. Did anybody hear a correction? Did anybody hear what his real position was? How he felt upset and hurt and pained by what happened? The whole issue became that he used the word, didn't use the word. Because we have nobody to explain ourselves. Rabbi Levine spoke about the, the um, problem of conversions. Many times our spokesmen don't know what they're talking about or don't know how to explain themselves. Conversions. Reform rabbis say they don't recognize our conversions in Israel. They don't recognize the conversions. They don't recognize some of the modern Orthodox conversions. I'm the chief rabbi of Dimona, a town of 70 shuls. I can't convert either. Because conversion, and correctly so, is given over to the Bateidin. I don't want my next door neighbor knocking on my door and saying, Rabbi Elephant, my daughter met a Russian boy, you know, we need a little, you know, do it. let's do it quickly. And, uh, I don't want that. And therefore, I told some of the federation heads I met when I was in Florida this week, said, I can't do conversions either. They said, really? I said, yeah. I said, no. But we don't speak, we don't explain ourselves. So they think it's only reforming server, everybody else can do. No, we don't do it. It's special. But they didn't, which is the way, but they didn't like you, and that's how it should be. And above all, we talk about Torah, Torah, Torah. My brother had to go to a different session. He says in the Mir Yeshiva, Torah, Torah, Torah. They don't know what we are talking about. What are you talking He's never learned. He's never held the Gemara. What are you talking about? Torah Magna. We, our spokesman get on the radio, Torah Magna. What? Torah? Torah protects how? Who is it? I took upon myself to, I have 12 chavrusas during the week. Some once a week, some five times a week. Most of them who were not religious, who, some who have become religious, some who are still not religious, some who are in the process. And one of them said to me, his Avi Ben Zikri is his name. He's an aide to my former mayor, Mayor Coyne, who joined Lapid's party, and he was former welfare minister in the previous government. And I quote, Until I started to learn Gomorrah on a steady basis, I didn't understand what you, religious dash Haredi people, were talking about. No, no, didn't understand. I've already made a scene with him on Masechus Beitzah. When I get back to Hashem next week, we finish Psachim, we're going to make a scene on Masechus Psachim. And this brings me to my plan. I have a unique plan. And I'm going to say something that may shock many of you. Eretz Yisrael has 10,000 shuls outside the Haredi neighborhoods. Most of them. Not 60%, 90%. Even more than that, don't have Rabbanim. Rabbi Levine, what's a shul without a Rav? It doesn't go. Nothing. There was a gathering in Yushalayim before Shoshana. 400 Gabayim. And the title of the gathering was Hagabai Bemarkaz. The Gabai as the center of the shul. So when there's no Rabbanim, there's no learning. When there's no learning, there's no continuation. There's no one to receive the Bamitzvah boy. There's no one to encourage him to come. There's no one to be Menachem Avelim. There's no one to reach out to the neighborhood. And you know we have a tremendous advantage because the conservative reform have not taken root in the Israeli shuls. 
So it's either us or nothing. The Mar says in Gitten, Biodo. It's in our hands. We can do it. Ah, you'll ask me, why didn't Israeli government do it? Because first of all, in the best of times, they had 500 Rabbanim, chief rabbis and neighborhood rabbis. But the Reform Conservative Movement in 2002 went to the Supreme Court and said, if you appoint local rabbis, you have to appoint from us also. So no more have been appointed. We're down now to 200 Rabbanim. So I've put in 13 Rabbanim that I pay in 27 shuls in nine towns. Of course, I'm doing my best to grow it. It's independent. I don't I, money I pay. Consequently, I don't need government support. And consequently, I, the Supreme Court cannot tell me what to do. This is going to change Eretz Yisrael. If we will have 10,000 Rabbanim in 10,000 shuls, dealing, first of all, we have 30% in Eretz Yisrael who are religious, dati, let's call them. Again, I'm talking outside the Haredi neighborhoods. 25, 30% who are religious, dati, traditional. They've never learned Gemara. I insist that my brother have to learn with them Gemara. Somebody who learns Gemara is a different person. You all know that. That's going to change Eretz Yisrael. Not screaming and not marching and not anything else. That from the bottom up. Can anybody think of a Torah America without Rabbanim for the last 70, 80 years? Rabbanim Kotl, Zatzal, Zechat, Sadgur, Kozirach, built Legwood, but the boys came from shuls, from communities, from a father who had some feeling of what Gemara is. When we'll have that narrative, so we're going to look different. You know, I'm almost finished. You didn't give me a thing yet. No? You don't have any more paper? All right. Or I'm still on time. Okay. I'm almost done. Um, and Parsha's told us at the end of the Parsha, um, says that uh, Rivka sent uh, Yaakov to Lavan. And it says, Rivka is achi, aim, uh, Rivka is aim, Yaakov, Esav. Supposed to give to Shvi. Rashi says, I don't know, what's, what's, what's the Torah teaching us? We don't know from the whole parish of Tadlos that Rivka is the mother of Yaakov and Esav from the Vayitrotosua Banim Bekir, but they call it the whole parsha. And I once said the Peshat is, why did she send Yaakov to Lavan? So everyone will say, to save Yaakov, he shouldn't be killed. That's 50% of the answer. She also sent him to Lavan, that Esav shouldn't kill. She did this in the role of the mother of Yaakov and also the mother of Esav. Aim Yaakov, Esav. And that's our mission. We are the mothers and the fathers and the leaders of Yaakov and Esav. If we don't want others to do it, then we have to do it. Biado. Vayichan Yisrael keneged ahar ish echad beleiv echad am echad. Thank you. Koltu. I think, huh? I think we have a couple of, of minutes for questions. That was, uh, I think it was one of the most important presentations we have heard to understand what's going on in Eretz Yisrael. I'm going to add to that something. If you take a look today, um, the Jewish agency is funding with millions and millions of shekel um, reform, ganim, in different parts of Eretz Yisrael. They were able to kind of infiltrate various funding sources. And today, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a much different battle. We're going to have to be able to fight on many, many different levels. Before we take any questions, I just want to take one moment to thank a couple of people who have been very instrumental in what we've been able to do. 
a lot of people in the staff of Agudas Yisrael, I was in the board meeting this morning, and I mentioned, first of all, Shlomi Werdiger, whose contacts were unbelievable when we went to Eretz We were able to meet with everybody who we needed to meet with, and uh, he deserves a special thanks. It should be at least on the record. Um, I also mentioned uh, Mrs. Zegelbaum, who was unbelievable in terms of social media and a lot of the press issues that we had in Eretz Yisrael. And that was a major part of the success of the mission and the other work that we've done. And I also want to add Mrs. Lichtenstein, who's sitting here, who did a lot of work in terms of preparation of materials that we had in Eretz Yisrael when we went. So if anybody has a question, we have a few minutes. And uh, got a microphone. <laughs> Go, ahead, please. You mentioned something about the Federation. Some organizations that we are involved are funded or supported by the Federation. Where should we stand, and where do they stand, and how should we act upon it? So I'm, I'm going to take a moment just to, to address that. Dealing with Federation is a very complicated issue, because in certain parts of the country, the Federation is very supportive of Orthodox Chinuch. In other parts of the country, the Federation is not interested, and is, uh, in other parts of the country, the Federation is our, our outright enemies. I think, you know, in areas of the country where we are connected to Federation, we have to make our voice heard. We have to let them know that, you know, that some, the things that are going on there at Tzestral are are really not good, and if they if want to become effective, they should work on their own Jewish identity issues here in America rather than trying to import a faulty system into Eretz Tzestral that doesn't have it yet. And that message can be brought very nicely. That message can be brought more strongly depending on the federation you're dealing with. Um, on, on a general level, it's important to understand that the federations don't necessarily respond to orthodox concerns. Um, I was a member of the CRC in Los Angeles for many years, and I remember when the Israeli council general used to come into the, to those meetings and was booed, lustily booed, and the Agudath Israel member had to be the one to stand up and defend the Israeli council general. That exists in many, many places, and we have to be able to stand up and say this is not right. I, again, it's an interesting discussion depending on what community you're in. This has been going on for the last 50 years they're trying to be making. I, just, yeah. I would just make one point for what you asked. Uh, we're not telling the Federation what to do, what the priority should be. All I said, and I think it's, it's, I think it's a legitimate point, is that since they're raising money from all types of Jews, and since, per se, they're supposed to be neutral vis-a-vis -vis the argument of orthodox versus reformer conservative, they shouldn't be funding pluralistic projects. That's all. Okay. Thank you. Any... I'm not here to ask a question. I just wanted to know, is there any paperwork that is here so we can follow up what Rabbi Olfen is speaking about and what Amichad is speaking about in general? Uh, yes. Un unfortunately, we had a report from the, uh, from the GA involvement that we were going to have here. It's not here at this event, but um, I, we will see to it that that gets out. Uh, right now, the Amichad is working out of the National Agudah Office um, as, as a center point. Um, we have involvement, interestingly enough, in Amachad, not only of Agudistan. We had a number of members of the RZA that came along on the trip with us, uh, from the Young Israel Movement that came along on the trip with us. And you know, part of the reason why it's called Amachad and not Agudist Israel is because it should look a little bit broader than just everybody who looks the same in this room. And I think that was another effective point, but we will get the materials out. If, if you want, I can give you some information later. Yeah. Haskell. 
Hmm? I had the great success of joining the Amechad mission uh, to Eretz Yisrael. It was a 35-hour whirlwind tour, literally from morning to night. It was extraordinary in every which what way. The only thing that I felt was missing was the fact that nobody really knew that it was happening except the people who were there and the people that we were meeting in Eretz Yisrael. Subsequently, uh, that, that changed. Um, why I'm saying that is because we have an army of people who care de- deeply about this issue, um, and it really, if they don't care about it, they're going to care about it because it's an issue that obviously affects everyone in Klal Yisrael. If, if there's going to be long-term a problem of, uh, of uh, Yados and, and, and Frumkeit, Nashkafa, and really the very f- essence and future of Klal Yisrael, I think that it's a Klal Yisrael issue leads me to my question. So what could a regular person do who's not able to travel to Eretz Yisrael with an Amechad mission? What is a regular person to do if he lives anywhere in the United States of America and particularly outside of New York City where there's really not an organized, loud organization like Agudis Yisrael helping them along in terms of organizing? Frankly speaking, this is a fight that requires the strength and voice of numbers. What could the regular yachid who cares about this problem do short of doing the things I've asked? So I'm, I'm going to take the liberty. Just some of it was outlined in some of the presentations we've had here. Number one, you can be informed. You have to be informed about the issues. Number two, um, we all have contacts in our lives with different people, either Israelis, member, you know, conservative or reformed Jews. We have to become ambassadors. We have to learn the issues and we have to be able to speak to be able to write to them if something appears in the press, to respond to it. Um, that, that's the first level. People have to be involved, and, and the reason that it's important is because we found out that with a minimal effort, we could really shake things up in Eretz Yisrael. We could really have a tremendous impact. Imagine if we had a really organized effort, what an impact we would have. Um, I, I, the first step is to become informed and know how to speak to these issues. Um, and it's part of our fault. We do have to get more materials out to the public on it. The second thing is when Knesset members come and you happen to meet with them or you happen to see them in your communities, you have to be able to speak about these issues. You have to be able to talk about them to them. Um, and the third thing is to be able to support the activities that are going on, whether they're small or large. Um, you know, we can come up with a more focused you know, uh, kind of participation uh, idea, but the bottom line is if you're informed and you speak about it and you're prepared to discuss it with your friends and your neighbors, that would make a tremendous impact. Mm. To the everyday man, the person on the street, I think we've been effective politically when we ever we've had a crisis or an issue where we've organized and galvanized the community to do a certain issue. We basically write the email message that we want to send to a particular legislator or a particular group of legislators. I think that the power of email today and the ability to write a letter and to be able to make a phone call. I remember as a young boy, a child, I was maybe ten or twelve when the Soviet Jewry movement was moving. And I, you know, what did I know? I used to see people screaming and yelling to free Nathan Sharansky. I remember as a kid calling the Soviet airline. I was a little kid. I, I just used to call every day. I knew nothing, but that's what I was doing. I was like, free Sharansky, free Sharansky. That was, that's all I knew. The fact remains, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of dedicated, committed Jews who can't do some of the things you just said but could easily cut and paste an email happily. They do it to our goodest Yisrael when they want to get their voices heard. So. They certainly should be able to do that. 
We, we actually ran a campaign like that right before Sukkot, everybody going to Eretz Yisrael to send an email to the, to the, uh, uh, to the uh, um, tourism minister and to the prime minister. We are coming as Orthodox Jews to Eretz Yisrael to celebrate Sukkot and, you know, and let them know that we are coming and we are Orthodox Jews and what we mean. And we generated hundreds of emails, and it was very successful, and that's a very good idea. Rabbi. The Prime Minister, and I happen to like him, and the government, and the opposition, and almost every politician counts one thing. He counts votes. The more from Eden who vote, the more they will listen to us. So all those who sit home in Yerushalayim and don't vote and think they're fighting with Chemesh Hashem, they're the ones who are to blame for many of the things that could be corrected. And of course, all of us who don't vote because we don't live there. It's food for thought. Answer Chaskolmer thing. There is a there is a there is a web page, and you can sign up for the listserv. But much more could be done. There's not the resources. What you said is amazing, Chaskol. We need the resources to be able to do that. To be able to have people to galvanize everyone else, not just at the convention, but throughout the year to do the campaigns. When the when the the, the free Russian Jewry campaign went on. There were major organizations who put lots of money into doing that. It wasn't just the people. It had the organizational ability to do that. So the more resources that are there, the more the, your, your vision, which is a great vision, could be done. Yeah, I was just told to, um, to um, mention, for those who want to get involved, there's a website, amechadmission.org. Amechadmission, pretty simple, .org. Is that the one, right one? Um, go there. I'm not sure what's on the website, but I'm sure there's a lot of resources there and information. Um, In order to have Amechad really effective, it has to be all of Amechad, meaning Yiddish Hashem Shabbos, Mikvah, Tavis Mishpacha. And Kashrus, he should be part of Emechad. Without any exceptions, and we should go on and on all the time, even when it gets quiet, and even when we get Klal Yisrael on the right page. I think it was one more, very 100%. quick, where his general's waiting a while. That was the last one. Yeah. Okay. So Rabbi Brodny said yesterday that the biggest uh, problem with Klal Yisrael is that over 80% of Eden have no connection to Yiddishkeit, no connection to Hashem, no connection to Torah. So I don't know why Agudas Yisrael doesn't get more involved in Kirov. That's my question. Well, it's, it's, this is not a session Kirov right session. now. This is a Kirov <laughs> session right now. But, okay. but it's a good point. <laughs> Thank you all. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.